I'm Anya Katz, and you're listening to A Millennial's Guide to Saving the World. I started this podcast because I was tired of being stereotyped as lazy, triggered, and entitled. I wanted to give voice to a different kind of millennial and invite us to write a new story. One of a generation willing to challenge the status quo, embrace nuance and paradox, and reject PC culture. This podcast isn't about finding answers. It's about asking the right questions. How can we reinvent ourselves and the narratives we've been expected to inherit? How can we take ownership over the ways we participate in our own suffering? How can we move beyond victimization and into empowerment? How can we fix ourselves to fix the world? It's time for new dreams, new stories, and new futures. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the show. It's been a couple weeks, a few weeks, maybe a month. I don't know. (laughs) I have been fully immersed in the April lunar circle. Man, it's funny. Every time I decide I'm going to teach this again, I think this is the last time I'm going to do this. I have so many other things I want to do, which is true. And that hasn't changed But there's something about getting into the groove of teaching this course and getting to know the people in the group and the people in the circle and watching them discover these archetypes and energies show up in their lives in these really profound and sort of uncanny ways. It's like every time I teach it, I want to teach it again. (laughs) Every time right before I teach it, I'm like, this is the last time. And then I see how it works and I see it come alive and I feel so inspired and lit up by the ability to share this information with other people. Um, So who knows? Maybe I'll do it again. I know a lot of you wanted to take it this time and couldn't and I said, this is the last time. I also feel like I had this desire to take a part of the course, the way that the course is structured is sort of like part lecture, part group discussion, part tutoring. It definitely has like a really big experiential and community piece. Um, And I think that part of it is not just important, but like crucial to the overall workshop as a whole. And I've tried to think of ways of like, could I somehow extract just the lectures and sell them as a recording for people if either they can't afford Um, the lunar circle as it is and they want to learn astrology uh, but they can't afford it or they can't take it when I offer it. And so I've come, I've tried to come up with all these different ideas to to sort of make it like a, you know, do it at your own pace, pre-recorded kind of a thing. But I don't know, every time I do it, I just think that that would water it down so much and would sort of uh, be out of my integrity to offer like 25% or 40% of the course without the other bits, um, even though I would price it a lot cheaper, it's just like, that's not how I want to teach. So I'm going to try to think of some other things that I can do, either set up some sort of like really extended payment plans or scholarship situations so that more people can take it. Um, But I feel pretty committed to keeping the course um, as yeah, within as much integrity as I possibly can. I sort of have begun to call myself a reluctant astrologer and I just don't want to teach it in a way that's overly simplistic or watered down or impersonal. 
Um, so we'll see. If you are interested in taking it in the future, uh, you can still go to anyakotz.com slash lunar circle and put your name on the wait list. If I do teach it again, it very likely won't be until next spring. I think if I do do this in the future, I will start always with the Aries new moon so we can learn about the zodiac in order. I will definitely be offering other astrology things over the next year, hopefully in addition to other things as well. But if you are interested in taking that intro to astrology and archetypal psychology course, anyakotz.com slash lunar circle and put your name in the wait list. Um, what else? I am in the Canary Islands right now. I think I have moved like three different times and to three different time zones since I last recorded that episode with Chris in Kosh. Um, yeah, so much has happened. I feel like time goes so quickly and I look at the calendar and realize I haven't posted a podcast in a few weeks and feel really terrible about it. So here we are, um, in the Canary Islands right now, honestly, really happy to be in Spain. I liked Turkey. I don't think I like Turkey as much as I thought I would like Turkey. I found myself really just wanting to get to Spain and drinking really good wine and wanting really good ham. So here we are and I'm drinking lots of wine and eating lots of ham and bread and uh, probably have to like stop soon because I'm gaining a lot of weight on bread. But also don't really care because it's so good. <laughs> Dipped in such good olive oil. Anyway, we'll be in Spain, in various parts of Spain over the course of the next month and a half or so. Uh, we'll probably be in Europe throughout the, throughout August, I guess, throughout mid-August at least, doing lots of traveling, not sure where we're going for the summer, maybe Ireland. Um, I have to get out of the Schengen, Schengen zone. Um, I can only be in most of Europe for three months. So if you live in Europe somewhere, uh, either Europe or somewhere near Europe, that's <laughs> not in the Schengen zone and have some advice, or want to get together, let me know where you are. I always like hearing from you guys. It's always a sort of weird experience to talk into the black, empty void of a microphone. Um, what else? If you haven't signed up for Substack yet, I have moved everything over from Patreon to Substack. This enables everyone to sign up and join the community for free. When you do so, you'll get a little invite to our Discord server. Uh, you'll get newsletters from me and email every time I post the podcast and lots of different essays and poetry and bits of writing that I'm putting out. I really wanted to make sure that people could like join the community and not have to pay if they couldn't. Um, so Substack allows for that. So I've been talking about that a lot on recent podcasts, so I won't go into it too much now. But if you want to sign up, uh, Anya Kotz, A-N-Y-A-K-A-A-T-S.substack.com. Please join us there. There's lots of information on there too. You can see what's uh, going on and what you get when you sign up. Today, I want to talk about something that I've been thinking about for a long time. Um, and I feel like I didn't talk about it sooner because I was a little bit afraid that it would be semi-inflammatory because everyone was so on edge about sort of the main topic I'm going to discuss today, which is vaccines. Um, everyone was really on edge and uh, rightfully so about this issue and not to say that it's over necessarily, but I feel like some of the sort of heat has died down a bit. Uh, and so maybe we'd all have a better time and a more productive time thinking about this issue uh, since the dust has settled a little bit. And 
mainly what I want to talk about today is, I would say, like, cognitive dissonance more broadly. And where I feel like, and I'm totally, of course, guilty of this too, but I feel like sometimes we do this thing where we decide something or um, hold a belief or make a choice. And we want to make that choice and we feel really grounded and certain about our belief. And so we do that first and then we kind of rationalize it and work backwards from there. And I feel like I saw this crop up a lot when it came to the vaccines and on both sides, uh, people talking about the reasons why they were getting it and then people talking about the reasons why they weren't getting it. Uh, so that's going to be mainly what I'm talking about today. But I feel like I've also seen it crop up in a lot of other ways, the ways we choose what diet we want to do, the ways we, uh, I think, handled or reacted to the whole Will Smith thing. Um, there's a bit of a, a conflict, I think, and a hypocrisy between uh, the way we feel about one thing and the way we feel in, about another thing. And it's difficult because, of course, like I talk about nuance all the time, and I think it's important you know, one thing might feel okay in one context and another might feel okay in another context, and that's totally okay. But I think we need to do a better job sometimes of understanding why we're making the decision we're making and recognizing how personal it is. So to like treat every decision or belief as an exercise in self-awareness. So instead of talking about more vaguely, talking about it in such vague terms, I'll just sort of jump in. And I want to start first by sharing my own personal story and my own personal reasoning and experience and belief structures and systems that went into my decision around the COVID vaccine. <laughs> so I was raised um, with not a lot of mainstream conventional medicine or pharmaceuticals. Um, my, I, I basically was born with a lot of health issues and I got whooping cough when I was very young. My mom had a C-section with me and although she didn't quite know it at the time, nobody really knew it at the time. A lot of colic is caused by like um, a gut issue, a microbiome issue, because those of us who were not born through the vaginal passageway did not, uh, we were, we couldn't come in contact with like vital bacteria that we needed. Um, and so this can cause a great deal of digestive, specifically digestive, but all sorts of issues in the future. Um, and my mom and my dad decided not to vaccinate my brother and I. And their main reason at the time was more about the schedule than the vaccines themselves. And the way that I was sort of brought up with this was this idea that like, if you go to a country where these um, these things are prevalent, these viruses, whatever it is that you're not vaccinated against, absolutely get it. If some sort of virus were to come about uh, in your world in this day and age, uh, you know, we're not saying that vaccines are evil. We just don't think that a lot of them are necessary. And so I wasn't vaccinated and I was raised with like a big blue briefcase of homeopathic medicine, um, we didn't really go to the doctor unless we absolutely needed to. My parents were definitely, especially my mother, who I spent the most time with when I was growing up, was very anti, um, antibiotic, anti-antibiotic. Um, 
And a lot of that is because they were being overprescribed and all of, you know, the, when I got whooping cough when I was really young, which is something that most children are vaccinated for, my brother also got it. I think so. I was like five when I got it and my brother was one and the doctor told my mom that my brother would die, like that she was an evil, cruel person for not vaccinating us against whooping cough and that her son would most definitely die. Turns out he did not die. He actually did far better than I did at five. My case of whooping cough was a lot worse. Uh, So she ran into all these issues with conventional medicine and mainstream medicine that caused her not to trust it. And then that sort of distrust was passed on to me at a very young age. In addition to that, when I got older, I went on birth control when I was 16. And by the time I went off of it at 21, my hormones were totally wrecked and I spent basically the entire next decade trying to figure out what was wrong with me. Nobody told me the fact that hormonal birth control could screw up your hormones to the point where where you go when you go off of them, your body doesn't actually know how to produce hormones anymore. And so you need to really support your body during this time. And I did none of that. I just went off cold turkey and I just had these health issues that got worse and worse and worse and worse over time. Not only was I not getting any valid, helpful advice from mainstream medicine, I really wasn't even getting it from naturopathic medicine. I just sort of grew to see that both sides, and I've talked about this a lot on my podcast, but both sides were like treating symptoms more than they were treating underlying issues. I think at the end of the day, I had hormonal imbalances that were made far worse by the high state of stress and anxiety and psychological and emotional unhappiness that I was experiencing on a day-to-day basis, but that I was totally unaware of. And so instead of taking care of my body through rest and through nurturance, I continued to limit my diet more and more, and I took more supplements, and I kept punishing myself and working out more and thinking like, but of course it's food and supplements and moving my body that's going to solve this. And I just ended up stressing myself out even more. And ultimately, um, I think what cured me was letting go of all of that. And I, when I stopped taking the supplements and when I honestly ate whatever the hell I wanted, I got better. Um, and so that was very informative to me about the sort of psychological and emotional root of health and wellness that I have talked about a lot on this show. Um, So I'm telling all of this and there's so much more to it, but I want to sort of set the scene for you all that like I, I don't think anybody could be more skeptical about conventional medicine than I was um, throughout my childhood and into my 20s. And recently, I would say within the past five years or so, I recognized how strong my bias was against mainstream medicine. I started to recognize how triggered I was by thinking about going on birth control again, even if it wasn't hormonal birth control, even just like the copper IUD or something. Or I had some rash and I felt extremely averse to going to get it checked out um, because I thought it would just go away on its own and it didn't. Uh, But so anything that came up, I was just like, no, no, no. I can solve this by myself. I can heal this by myself. I can just like heal it through happiness or mindset, which is fine. Um, But I started to recognize like how neurotic I was getting around my resistance and hesitation to any kind of mainstream pharmaceutical. 
And I think what made it also even worse, specifically around the vaccine issue, and it's so bizarre and ironic the way things change over time, but when I was growing up, not being vaccinated was like not a thing you talk about. Um, If I ever brought this up, like this was my biggest kept secret. Like you, I could never talk about it with anybody, even though it wasn't a choice I made, right? Like I did not choose as a baby not to get vaccinated, but even still just the fact that I wasn't came across as so abhorrent and horrific. And even my brother, as he grew up, he started to think it was so abhorrent and horrific that my parents didn't vaccinate us. And I think I, just like anybody who makes a marginalized choice, right? Whether that be a marginalized choice around sexual orientation or around diet or um, around being vaccinated or not, when you become and experience so much hostility and so much like animosity and hatred and disgust from the outside, I think you have a tendency or I have a tendency, we all have a tendency to build up our defenses far stronger than not only than what is realistic, but then uh, stronger than what's actually helpful or honest, right? So if you're constantly attacked for being non-monogamous, let's say, is it possible that you might over-defend non-monogamy and say that it's like totally perfect and absolutely the right way to be, when really it's just a choice that's valid among among other totally valid choices and that non-monogamous relationships and monogamous relationships can be healthy or not healthy. Um, If you are interested in that topic, I recorded a podcast with Rachel Krantz about this a few episodes back, about the sort of lack of nuance when it comes to speaking about non-monogamy. And of course this makes sense because if we start to talk about the problems in non-monogamy or, you know, the problems eating a a paleo diet or the problems, you know, with regenerative agriculture and that it's not perfect, we think that people will just pile onto those imperfections and um, it will be all the more difficult for us to make that choice. And so I think I sort of reacted to the shame and disgust that I received about the fact that I wasn't vaccinated to kind of further build up my defenses around the fact that this was the right choice for me um, and that I agreed with my parents' choice. And before COVID came into the picture, um, earlier than that, I considered whether or not I should go back on birth control or not. And I didn't want to, and I didn't really think it was necessary. And I was really, really terrified about it. And I was reading all sorts of things online about how damaging it could be and how the copper IUD is like, gets, you know, Uh, people have bad reactions to it and it's really painful and it like lacerates your vagina. Like I just, I went, you know, I went down the Google rabbit hole and I, I recognized how worked up I was getting about this. And I sort of like sat back and I stepped away from the Google searching and I sort of started to visualize something like as a scale, right? So let's say We have a perfectly balanced scale around our desire to participate in mainstream conventional pharmaceutical medicine. Let's just say we are someone who has no history and no trauma and no experience that makes us biased 
in either way. And so when we go to decide whether or not we should take that pill or we should go on that kind of birth control or we should get a vaccine, we don't really need to think about who we are. We just need to make the decision. There's no content that's informing us, which is, of course, a totally unrealistic, like, it doesn't even make sense to think about that, right? Like, of course, we all have subjectivities and biases, and we all have experience and history that would tip those scales in one way or the other. And so for me, when it comes to my scales, my distrust in conventional medicine is far heavier that side of the scale, than is my trust of mainstream medicine. Because of all of my experiences over the entire course of my life has led me to believe that mainstream conventional medicine is evil and untrustworthy and only a decision that stupid people without brains of their own would make, right? Like, you should do your research and take, you know, natural supplements and you don't need to take those pills and what they tell you you should do is not right. Um, so my scales are way, way tipped. And I know this about myself. And so when researching a decision like birth control, I have to recognize the extent to which those scales are tipped. I'm not making a decision to not get birth control because mainstream medicine is untrustworthy. I'm making a decision to not go on birth control because I personally don't trust mainstream medicine because of the experiences that I've had. This isn't an objective choice. This is a personal and subjective belief based on actual history and events that I've had. And so if I can kind of remove myself from my own subjectivity, maybe I can try to tip the scales and, and make them more balanced. And by doing that, I need to just be conscious and be and just recognize that how biased I actually am, right? How many belief structures and fears and traumas that I'm bringing to this decision that are mine personally, not anyone else's, but mine. And so I started to think like, this isn't really healthy, Right? Like ideally, I'd like to have a more balanced perspective about this because also how can I how could I make a clear, honest, and responsible decision if I'm so triggered by this and if I'm bringing so much negative content to the decision to begin with? And so what if I could actually make the decision that makes me a little bit uncomfortable, which is to get a copper IUD? And hopefully I don't die and uh, it's really not bad, and it actually is fine. And maybe by engaging in this thing that I'm fearful of and super triggered by, I can sort of help tip my scales in, in a more balanced way so that moving forward, I don't have such a one-sided understanding of how something is or how this is or how I perceive this. And so I... It's a weird thing to say, but I really feel like, yes, of course, I wanted to go on birth control because it's the responsible thing to do, but I like literally decided to get a copper IUD as a psychological exercise to show myself that I wasn't going to die. And it reminds me of when I was even younger, I had this horrible fear of needles, which is ironic because I never even got a vaccine, but I guess I got blood tests and that alone was enough to like send me into a total insane fit. Like my mom says that basically I would just scream like I was 
you know, being murdered um, when someone went to take my blood and they had to strap me down and I would like come out red faced and crying. Like it was a horrible, horrible thing. I don't have a lot of memory of this, but I trust her. Uh, many people, well, many people, both my parents will attest to it. And I do sort of remember having this like baseline fear. I don't remember the fits, but I do remember being really terrified of this and wanting to avoid it at all costs and needing someone to come in to support me. And I think I probably just blacked out a lot of the more traumatic instances of this. Anyway, then one day I remember I was old enough to go to the doctor by myself. So I think I was probably around like 13, 14 maybe. And I remember I had to go get a blood test and I was going to be in town and I could go do this on my own. Maybe I was even older, 14, 15, I don't know. But I was by myself and I went by myself. And it was weird because I realized like as I was walking into the doctor's office, I started to think about like what it would look like if a 14-year-old had a total breakdown fit around getting their blood drawn. And like it sort of shifted from like maybe my desire to get attention and be overly melodramatic as a kid and like somehow source attention from my parents. And, and now that sort of just became like, well, my parents aren't even around and that would sound sort of embarrassing to cause a total fit in the doctor's office. And I remember as I'm walking into the office, I said to myself like, okay, what if you're just not afraid of this? And like in that moment, I decided not to be afraid of blood tests and I've never been afraid of needles since. And I feel like it really taught me something about the sort of malleability of our minds and how easy it is to convince ourselves of something or work ourselves up over something. And it really feels real. Like once you check into that, once you really tap into what it is you believe to be true, I mean, my God, you can work yourself up so, so, so much. It becomes so real. It's like when you lie about something for so long, you start to believe it. We're just incredibly malleable and we have a lot more power over our subconscious than we like to admit. So I started to sort of treat this experiment with birth control in the same way. Like, what if you're just, what if you're just not afraid? Or what if you're just not as afraid? Or what if you're just not as resistant? Let's just see what happens. And I went into the office and um, I got it. It was really funny because at one point, I think they were like training someone. And so they like have me all spread open on the table, ready to insert the IUD. And the lady who's, I guess, training is holding it and she accidentally drops it on the floor. And then they have to like go into the other room to get another one. Like everything that could possibly go wrong went wrong. But I just tried to remain calm and reminded myself about why I was there and that this was going to be okay and I don't have to be afraid of the doctor and I'm not going to die. Anyway, long story short, I got the IUD. I've never had any problem with it. In fact, when I got it, I was experiencing, still experiencing a lot of hormonal issues and um, my periods were not remotely regular. And even though this IUD is not hormonal, it's not necessarily supposed to adjust your hormones. It did. Like I got my period for the first time right after that. And it's been normal and regular ever since. And so not only did nothing wrong happen, um, but I would basically say that the decision to do that in the experience that I've had has been positive, which has totally put me at odds with a lot of people, I think, in my own community and, and people that I've talked to for many years and the identity that I built up around myself as being so anti-birth control and so anti-conventional medicine. And so there was a little bit of cognitive dissonance going on between who I thought I was and who I identified as versus 
the decision I just made and the person that maybe now I am based on this decision. And so there's a little discomfort. It's still honestly uncomfortable sometimes because I still find myself surrounded by people that think, you know, mainstream conventional choices are really bad for you, which is totally their right. Um, And in many ways, I agree with them in certain ways. But with this, I felt like I was ready to do something different. So jumping ahead to the dreaded COVID vaccine. So here I am at age, what am I, 32 at the time I was. I still had never gotten a vaccine in my life Um, and was starting to feel super weird and confused about this fact that this thing that I had been so ashamed about and that people had judged me for really sort of unfairly and cruelly, at cruel, cruelly, that's a weird word to say. Um, it felt really strange to all of a sudden be surrounded by so many people who were kind of wearing their desire and choice not to get a vaccine as a badge of honor. And it made me think kind of critically about this because I feel like a lot of those same people who saw my parents' decision and the fact that I wasn't vaccinated to be really evil and terrible and unfair and selfish were now sort of holding contradictory beliefs around this vaccine and choosing not to get it. And not only choosing not to get it, but like, really making that decision public, whether it was on social media or at dinner parties or in groups of people, and really stating the reasons, you know, very honestly and openly about why they weren't getting it. There wasn't any shame. It was like shameful if you got it, at least in the circles I was running in. Uh, And not just the circles I was running in. A lot of people I know got the vaccine, but there was enough I'm sure we all have this experience. We know a lot of people who both have gotten it and who haven't gotten it. And so I was a little surprised and it made me a little angry, honestly, because I thought it was a little bit hypocritical. Like, why is it that for 30 years I've had to be the brunt of this, spare the brunt of this attacking and this judgment and now it's cool? Like, is this cool now? This thing that everyone thought was uncool for so long? I'm really confused. Um, so I honestly, when approaching this decision, whether or not to get the vaccine, honestly, I really didn't want it. Um, I thought it was totally unnecessary for me to get. I do think that the risk of this virus was wildly inflated and misunderstood in the media, media, which is not to say that I don't think it was dangerous, is dangerous, and that a lot of people didn't die. And especially that it was dangerous for certain groups of people, of course, even if not so much for me as a 33-year-old healthy person without any comorbidities. But I did still think that there was some um, corruption, of course, uh, on behalf of the pharmaceutical companies and on behalf of the mainstream media. Like, obviously, that's the case all the time. Um, And I think that very much applied in this case. And I really didn't want to get it. And at the time I was living in Crestone in a really isolated town in the mountains and there was like no reason for me to get it. And so I didn't right away. I did not get the vaccine when it first came out. I sort of sat back and decided I would see what happened. And to be perfectly honest, I was a little concerned that like it was going to go really wrong and that people that were going to, that people that got this vaccine were going to get it really sick and fucked up because there wasn't enough research and there wasn't enough timing and 
I really didn't know what to believe. And I, I felt like no matter what I read online, that it was slanted in either direction. Um, mainstream media was going to be heavily slanted towards getting it. And these more sort of like natural, unconventional publications were going to be slanted in the opposite direction. So I just thought like, okay, I am going to make this decision from myself internally as much as possible. And I was about to say I was going to make this decision from my gut, but I feel like sometimes our gut is not what we think it is or not necessarily what we should listen to. And maybe this is just a distinction between like intuition and instinct and fear based on trauma. Because if we want to talk about what my gut said, my gut was like, don't get that vaccine, you crazy bitch. Like you're going to die. This is not something your body has any idea how to handle. You've never had a vaccine in your entire life. This is totally unnecessary. What if something goes terribly wrong? What if you have a reaction to this that it, you don't know anything about because you've never done this before and so you're gonna have this horrible reaction and get this vaccine that isn't even necessary and you're gonna die and everything's gonna be terrible, right? Like that voice was so, so loud inside of me. But again, I sat back and I thought about the scales and of course, in this situation, as it was for when I got birth control, the scales were really, really tipped. And so, yes, if I, I can say like mainstream medicine and the pharmaceutical companies aren't 100% trustworthy, but if I were to get some like deadly disease and really need to, to participate in mainstream conventional medicine, I would, right? Like there's a context in which this would make sense and a context in which it would make me uncomfortable. And so in making this decision, I once again decided to make a decision for myself that would allow me to be less biased or at the very least less influenced, potentially influenced by my subjectivity and by my trauma. And I feel like this is maybe sometimes hard for us to understand and, and it's definitely been hard for me to understand too, right? Where is the line between a healthy amount of pushing up against our fears and our boundaries and a totally irresponsible and unhealthy way in which we like totally jump over that fence and we don't protect ourselves and we do something that hurts us. And that wherever that line is, is going to be different for everybody. Um, but I do think in life, it's really important to kind of as best we can push up against the edges of our discomfort. This is why this whole concept of safe space really bothers me because while I do think in general, we need a safe space, I think the safe space is only productive and practical when whatever is in the safe space is something that can gently trigger us and help us to grow. Because if we're just safe all the time, if we're just comfortable all the time, if we're never triggered and never challenged, literally nothing happens. Like we don't grow, we can't become self-aware. There's no movement there. It's just stagnant. And maybe some people want stagnant growth, but I really like growth and I really like to challenge myself and move forward. And so for me, I always try to say, okay, this box is safe, but what's inside this box is something that's going to gently trigger me from time to time to help me learn about myself and to help me learn about my biases, to help me learn about my own subjectivity and to help me be more honest about where I haven't necessarily processed some trauma or some pain or some grief that's keeping me from being able to approach this in a more objective, healthy, and mature way. So similar to the birth control, I personally decided to get the COVID vaccine 
and I got the booster for a myriad of reasons. But one major, major reason was to prove to myself that this was not as um, subjective as I wanted to believe, that this was not, that this was complex and that this was nuanced and that while, yes, I still, even after the vaccine, even while getting the vaccine, still don't trust the government or mainstream medicine are the pharmaceutical companies, that getting this vaccine is not going to hurt me, very likely, and the likelihood that it's going to hurt me is far less than the likelihood that it'll protect someone else who actually can't get the vaccine. And not only that, aside from all the sort of more cultural and communal reasons to get it, I'm getting it because I want to be more responsible as a human. I don't want to be so blinded by my own belief systems. I don't want to go around for my whole life thinking that I'm going to die if I get a vaccine, which sounds kind of nuts, but like that's how intense and irrational our fears can be sometimes. And I feel like those fears are what I mean, again, I think we're occurring on either side. If you don't get the vaccine, you're going to die. And if you get the vaccine, you're going to die, right? Like, it's so melodramatic and really has the capacity to prey on our on our fear and on our lack of self-awareness, I think. And I'm telling this whole story because I feel like my story is incredibly unique, right? Like, I don't think I know anybody who got the COVID vaccine. It's the first vaccine they ever got. And I don't think I know anyone who got the COVID vaccine to prove to themselves that they weren't going to die from the vaccine. So I feel like my story is really unique. And I feel like everybody's story is really unique. And what started to bother me is that, like, it would make no sense for me to go online or on social media or start writing articles about why everyone should get the vaccine because of the reasons I decided to get it. That would be so irrational, right? Like, I recognize that I didn't get it because I believe the science. I got it because of my own personal reasons based on my own personal beliefs and traumas and decisions and subjective existence. And yet I feel like when it came to making this decision that not everybody was recognizing that they were making a personal choice and instead thought they were making this sort of like broad-based moral choice about something and that that choice could or should apply to lots of other people's choices. So I'll give a couple other examples to explain further what I mean by this. So I know someone who... I'll do this on both sides because I think this was occurring on both sides. So I know someone, or actually I know a couple people, who decided to get the vaccine and who are very, very strongly in the camp of believe the science and very, very anti even questioning or thinking about whether this was a good choice or not. And one of those people was raised by someone who was very, very into pretty wild conspiracy beliefs and sort of made a career around spreading these conspiracies. So there was a lot of like pseudoscience and a lot of sort of anti-scientific rhetoric or um, at least like proposing new types of sciences and dis- 
distrust of things that were conventional, distrust of things that were researched and showcased in medical journals, and more of a sort of celebration of and a promotion of things that were considered more pseudoscience or conspiracies that wouldn't be necessarily something that appeared in like a mainstream uh, medical journal. And so this person, I think actually similar to my brother, as I mentioned, my brother went to college with um, one of his closest friends was working as a doctor or work training to become a doctor um, and work in the realm of vaccines. And so he became very pro-vaccine and started to really feel negativity around and judgment around my parents' decision not to vaccinate him. I didn't necessarily have this experience in my life. In fact, as I explained, I think I had a lot of experiences that backed up my distrust of mainstream medicine overall, and my brother had different experiences. And so when it came to getting the vaccine, my brother's like, fuck yeah, I'm getting the vaccine. And I'm like, "Uh, I'm not so sure based on my experience. Even though we were raised by the same parents, we had very different life experiences that led us to think very differently about this, even though we ultimately made the same choice to both get it. So this person who was raised by this person who was really into conspiracy theories went online and, you know, took a picture of themselves getting the vaccine and with the little sticker and the Band-Aid and um, really made a point to sort of judge and criticize anyone who could possibly not believe the science as being totally irrational and selfish and um, not having any real validity or right to have their beliefs around not getting it. And even though this person and myself made the same decision to get the vaccine, I found myself being triggered around the way that they were sort of publicly promoting their personal decision to get the vaccine as if it applied to everyone. And I know this person and I know what their background is and I have no problem with with them getting the vaccine, but it bothered me because... To me, I felt like, but your decision is so personal and based on your own subjective experience and your own triggers and your own trauma, why does this need to be a public event? Why does any of it need to be a public event? I get it. We were trying to influence other people to to get the vaccine, but like, I don't really think that was going to work, right? Nobody that was on the fence about whether or not to get the vaccine was going to be convinced to get the vaccine because someone posted a photo of themselves with a Band-Aid after they got the vaccine. Like, if anything, that was going to make it worse because that sort of public display was just making people more angry. Um, And then similarly, I know a bunch of other people who, actually all three of them in different ways, were raised in incredibly fundamentalist environments. Um, A couple of them went through, like, great pain and had to separate from a ton of family members and the only kind of community and home they ever knew to extricate themselves from that fundamentalist religion or belief system. And so when it came time to get this vaccine, they were very distrustful because to them, it sort of reminded them of how they felt when their religion or the people that were promoting that fundamentalist belief were telling them to believe what they should believe and that this was right. And they felt like, no, That's cult-like behavior. I'm going to make this decision for myself. And that's where we got all those words around sovereignty and whatever. But again, it's like, okay, but that's your personal experience. So this isn't necessarily about the fact that you think the vaccine is really harmful and going to kill lots of people. It isn't even necessarily around the fact that um, you think that this... uh, virus isn't particularly dangerous, you're making this decision based on your own personal experience, which doesn't mean there's not other things, you know, 
um, sprinkled in there, right? Like we're complex beings and we make all sorts of decisions for all different reasons. But again, these people who are making these decisions from their own personal biases and subjectivity were then going online and promoting their decision not to get this vaccine, not by sharing their personal reasons not to get it, but by sort of picking up on these other more mainstream um, conventionally accepted reasons not to get it, right? Around like a lack of research or it's not very dangerous or I don't trust the government. But that wasn't really the reason. And I kept wondering too, you know, all these, especially when it came to mandatory vaccines and especially with the COVID vaccine, like that makes me very uncomfortable. I got the vaccine, I was boosted, but mandatory vaccines, mm, I don't know, sounds like it could lead to authoritarianism pretty quickly. But is my desire to not mandate vaccines really about a desire to not mandate vaccines or is it just specifically COVID and specifically that I don't feel like I'm super at risk so why would I want them to, man to mandate vaccines because it doesn't really protect me one way or the other? But what if we were talking about Ebola? Like for those of us that were are, and myself included, I keep asking myself this question, like is this really about me not, about me being anti-vaccine mandate or is it more specific to the virus in question? <laughs> So am I really anti-vaccine mandate or do I just feel safe because I'm a young, healthy person? And if this virus was Ebola or something that was more dangerous to people who were healthy and younger, would those same people who are so anti this vaccine be anti that vaccine, especially when it comes to mandates? And if not, then was your decision not to get the vaccine ever about that to begin with? Or was it more about your own personal, subjective experience and existence? And I just don't think we think about that very much. I think we, we say in the public, we see like, okay, there's the pro-vaccine camp. Believe the science. This is the responsible thing to do we protect others. And then we see this other camp, which is like, don't trust the government. Vaccine mandates are horrible. Those of you who get the vaccines are not thinking with your own brains. And we think, cool, like there's a club to belong to. So I can like put my decision in that club. But that club actually isn't representative of my own integrity. Because if this was a different virus we were talking about, or not a virus at all, but something totally different, would I still belong to that club? Like, what beliefs do I really share with those people? And then I, I felt like it started to become this thing where I would start to see people talking about this publicly and promoting their own personal decision in accordance with whatever club they belong to in the public realm, which to me kind of reeked of, of like the same thing if like if someone's overly defensive, right? To me, it was like, you actually don't really know why you're not getting the vaccine or even why you're getting it. And so your sort of public display of decision-making to me is telling me that maybe you're not so sure and you're seeking external validation for your choices. And if you were positive, if you were sure about the decision that you were making and you did feel really confident in it and you recognized how insanely personal it was, and how you had no right to 
try to convince anyone else to make the decision that you were making because it's personal for them too, you wouldn't be putting on this sort of song and dance in the public realm. And so I feel like in this way, but in so many other ways that we are sourcing validation and integrity externally, and we're not really participating in like consistent principle-based thinking or making decisions that are coming from our own integrity, which is built on our own knowledge of our own subjectivity. Like, I feel like I talk about this when it comes to astrology too. If you go to astrology reading or even not even astrology, if you go to a psychotherapist and they start telling you about what's true or not, they're full of shit. Like everything that they're telling you is filtered through their own subjectivity and their own experiences and their own projections, which of course, if you become a counselor or a therapist or astrologer, you should work really hard to become aware of your own projections and aware of your own patterns and your beliefs. But that doesn't necessarily make them go away entirely. So whenever you engage with someone that's telling you how it is or telling you, you know, about what your specific trauma is, like ultimately that's up to you to figure out, which isn't the same as saying don't trust anyone but yourself because sometimes other people can be more trusted with helping us figure out about our own, you know, internal subconscious realm than we are. Oftentimes that's true. But if you go to one therapist or another therapist and they tell you slightly different things, right? Like that's normal because everyone has their own approach. Everyone has their own translation of something. And I feel like this also came out recently around the Will Smith thing because I started to think, as I'm sure a lot of people did, and I was reading a lot of articles about this too, like what if Will Smith had slapped a woman Or what if the person who did the slapping was white still hitting a black person, right? Like we're engaging in this convenient compartmentalization. We want to believe what we want to believe. We want to believe that our choice is valid and right. And so we find these external reasons or this club, which are also sort of promoting this decision or this belief, and we just put ourselves there But then when the situation changes, we put ourselves somewhere else. Like, how can we possibly say that words are violent, as so much of the woke left does, but then support the slapping because we think the joke was offensive? Like, this just doesn't make sense. And it's it's showcasing, showcasing, I think, a lack of internal self-awareness and a knowledge of our own integrity or even integrity to begin with. And so I feel like whenever we go to make a decision or a choice, and this is advice that I'm giving myself to, I'm not pretending to be perfect at this, but I do try as best I can. You know, I feel like, I don't know, I just recently was talking to someone and I said like, oh, everything is trauma. And they had a really terrible reaction to this. And what I meant by that was just like, I really do feel like we are shaped that yes, there's some degree of nature here, but that even that's kind of an expression of nurture in a way, right? Like if it's nature, how is nature different than like my ancestral trauma and patterns that I'm inheriting? Um, 
there is always a unique subjective experience that we have and that we've had and continue to have over the course of our lives. And I feel like it's really important to be more cognizant when we're making decisions or deciding that we have a belief or or when we go to judge something one way or another, that instead of finding an external reason or an external club to join because a lot of those other people are making that decision too and so it's just really comfortable to put ourselves there, that before joining any club, we get really, really honest about ourselves and about which way our scales are tipping. Because the truth is I don't fit into either of these clubs and I don't think any of you do. I don't think any of us fit into these clubs around pro or anti-vaccine necessarily. If we were to put ourselves in that room, we'd likely see that these people have very different experiences and beliefs that we do. I mean, that's certainly the case for me. (laughs) I don't feel like I belong anywhere. I feel totally alienated from the more sort of like naturopathic, unconventional medicine yogi space. And I felt equally as alienated by the believe science space. I got the vaccine, but I don't belong to either one of those clubs. And I know how like desperate we are, rightfully so, for community and for belonging. And so when it comes to the Me Too movement or whether or not to get the vaccine or what opinion we have around diets or um, Will Smith, you know, it just it feels a lot more comfortable to just join the club. You know, I think veganism is another big example of this. Like I have a friend who for most of her life has been either a vegetarian or a vegan. I've been friends with her since I was a kid. And she has an incredibly nuanced personal reason for being a vegetarian. She doesn't really like meat that much. She's tried it. She can't get down with it, but she's not um, out there in the world or even in her personal life not only not only is she not promoting that she thinks it's like best for the planet, but she also knows it's not the best for her health. And she's been told this by multiple doctors that she needs to eat more animal products and she knows that she'd be healthier if she did so. But she really doesn't like them and she really can't enjoy the process of eating animals and so she doesn't. But she's not going online saying that everyone should be vegetarian or everyone should be vegan. And if you're not, you're a total immoral asshole. She's just making her own personal decision. And if the restaurant accidentally puts bone broth in her soup, she's kind of grateful because she knows it's healthier for her. And she doesn't get freaked out and she doesn't judge people who don't eat the way that she does. It's just her own personal belief. But if you're out there in the world parading around talking about why veganism is the only just and moral choice, to me that just says that you don't really know who you are. You don't really know why you made this decision to begin with. Because if you were totally secure in your own belief, you wouldn't need to try to convince others to do the same as you. And you certainly wouldn't need others to tell you that you're making the right choice by belonging to their club. And I'm all for like finding community. I feel like that's what this podcast is about, finding like-minded people who agree with us. But I feel like so many times in my life when I've held on to a belief about myself or, a, or an assumption about something too tightly, like I'm always proven wrong. I'm always challenged on it. 
And that's so uncomfortable sometimes, especially when you have a podcast and you like talk about something really publicly about like, this is the way I feel about a thing. And then you change your mind about it and you're like, shit, I just told all that those people I believe this way about a thing and now I'm not so sure. Um, so that sort of heightens the discomfort, but that can happen, of course, if you don't have a podcast on a personal level as well. So it's incredibly uncomfortable to be triggered and to be hit with, oh shit, like this is some degree of cognitive dissonance. What I feel about this in this circumstance, I don't want to feel that way anymore. And I'm, I feel uncomfortable by the conflict. I feel uncomfortable by the trigger. I feel uncomfortable about whatever it is that I don't see as an expression of continuity to some extent. And I think we need to just become a lot more comfortable with that and support each other in being a lot more comfortable with that. Like, it's totally okay for me to still not trust the government and not trust mainstream media and like doing yoga and still not really taking any mainstream pharmaceuticals, but also having a copper IUD and getting the COVID vaccine. Like, I'm okay with that cognitive dissonance. They seem, those things seem sort of paradoxical or hypocritical, but that's okay. You can believe in personal sovereignty and you can be anti-authoritarianism while still feeling like, well, I don't know, if there was a really, really deadly virus where people were bleeding out of their eyeballs, like maybe I would support mandatory vaccines. Maybe this isn't as simple as I thought it was. I just feel like the more we can accept our own complexity and our own like birthright to change and to grow and to evolve and to become more self-aware by being shown where it is that we're wrong about something or where it is that we are coming from an overly subjective biased place, like the better we will live in a much better, kinder, more honest world. And maybe people would feel more empowered by their own intuition and would feel less judged for making personal decisions for them. Like, it's not okay to attack people who are not getting the vaccine, and it's not okay to attack people who are getting the vaccine. It's not okay to attack people who are vegan, and it's not okay to attack people who aren't vegan. But if you start to create an identity around it, and you start to think that anyone who doesn't make your choices wrong... Like, you're just, you're full of shit. <laughs> and the more willing we are to be proven wrong and to embrace ourselves and our own subjectivity and our own cognitive dissonance, the better. So that was my hour-long rant. I am going to play you out today with a really amazing recording that I took the other day. There was a guy on a street corner here in Grand Canaria in the Canary Islands playing the Cora, which is like this interesting kind of African harp looked harp lute, I think it's called, kind of instrument. And um, yeah, it was like so beautiful. We were just totally stopped in our tracks and took a million photos and a million videos. And I decided to take this recording on my phone. This guy has has never played in the street before until the time that we ran into him. And he has like no Spotify and uh, he has, doesn't have any recordings or anything like that. 
Um, so I feel really lucky that we sort of randomly ran into him and I decided to make a recording myself on my phone with the voice memos. And it's really nice because not only do you hear him playing, but you also hear the background noise of, uh, uh, Las Palmas in Gran Canaria in the morning. Um, so I figured that might be a nice little thing to play you out with today. If you would like to join the community and participate in future book clubs, receive emails when I post a new podcast, receive poetry and writing from me, you can do so for free. You can join anyakots.com. I'm sorry, anyakots.substack.com. You can also go to anyakots.com, but that's not what we're talking about right now. anyakots.substack.com. You can join for free. If you want and have the means by which to support this project financially, I would greatly appreciate it. But it's not required. People who sign up for free and people who pay get the same stuff. And this feels honestly better for me because the way that Patreon is structured, it made me feel like I was charging people for perks instead of asking for donations for the podcast. So now it's like if you join the community, you get the perks of the community regardless. But if you want to support this podcast, which will always remain free, and not have any ads because ads are horrible and obnoxious and I could never in my life do them, especially after creating so many ads and sponsored posts when I had a food blog. I'm just totally not into it. I want this project to remain as authentic as possible. So if you'd like to support the project that can really not make any other money but through your donations, um, I would really appreciate if you could make a donation on Substack. But again, it's not required Simply signing up is totally fine, and I appreciate all of your energy and support and um, the fact that you're here sharing this space with me week after week. So I hope you enjoy the song that has no name, or maybe it has a name, but I don't know. This was something this guy wrote. He said he was playing all um, of his own compositions, which is really cool. But anyway, uh, I'll catch you next time. Sending love to you all wherever you are in the world. And the other cool thing about Substack, by the way, is you can comment on the podcast. So when I send it out as an email, it's actually like a post. So if you have feedback or you want to share thoughts, let me know what you thought. Let me know what you liked, you didn't like. If you have any questions, you can actually do that on Substack and engage with me, which is really awesome because it lets me connect to listeners in a way that I've never been able to do before. So introduce yourself, say hi, um, participate in the discussion. It's always a joy to get to know more of you. Until next time.